0: Today, we discuss the long-term impact that broader climate change and energy transition will have on inflation. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin.
1: And I'm Robert Sarenbett.
0: And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments.
1: In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions.
0: That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners.
1: By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors.
0: Welcome, everybody. It's the week of October 18th, 2021, and you may recall that last week in our pod titled The Great Energy Crunch, we talked about the cyclical or near-term inflationary pressures that the latest energy price crunch has caused in the economy.
1: Yes, and in that episode if you remember there's a typical boom and bust cycle when it comes to harvesting and extracting and sharing commodities. We also mentioned though that we're thinking about structural or longer-term ways that energy-related price crunches might start impacting the economy more regularly. So as promised today, we're covering what the broader climate transition means for inflation and for markets.
0: Hmm, Climate change, energy transition, and alternative energy. Where have I heard those words before?
1: Oh, that has to be from Washington, D.C., Lauren. Coincidentally, the U.S. has an infrastructure package that Heavily invests in alternative energy infrastructure and modernizes the grid, so to speak. And the recent energy crisis has sparked a debate around just how quickly this energy transition and grid modernization should take place.
0: The infrastructure investment plan in DC is definitely timely. And the US is an interesting test case for what's happening globally with respect to infrastructure. It's a big country with climate impacts from drought to flooding and more frequent storms, too, at least lately.
1: Yeah. To give a better idea of just how much energy related infrastructure this bill contains, Lauren, should we just list a couple things for our listeners?
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. So one of the things on DC's list is power infrastructure, funding to build new resilient transmission lines and facilitate the expansion of renewable energy.
1: Mm -hmm. You also have Western water infrastructure. That's to increase resilience to the impacts of climate change.
0: Sounds very important. You also have electric vehicle infrastructure that builds out a national network of electric vehicle chargers. Sounds good.
1: Yes. Get around on those battery powered cars and much, much more in that. Bill. Just looking at its contents, it's hinting, though maybe not so subtly, at a plan for the U.S. to transition from traditional carbon energy to alternative renewable sources of energy. Much of it's stimulated by the need for infrastructure to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and weather-increasing climate-related hazards.
0: Interesting. So as we start to work our way towards making this discussion from infrastructure towards more about investing, I'll mention that these dynamics matter more and for more reasons than the obvious just government spending impact like DC, like you mentioned. Increasingly, investors are paying attention to the risks that climate change poses directly to financial stability.
1: Uh, Yes, we've definitely talked about these risks before on the program. There are two. First there's the physical risks those are the risks that arise from the interaction of climate related hazards with the vulnerability of exposure to the human and natural systems so think the risk of some weather related event stranding an asset the second are the transition risks and these are the risks that might arise from the transition or policies imposed to move to a low carbon economy like higher prices, or higher energy-related inflation.
0: Right. And if you think about stranded assets or things you can't use, if you think about higher prices or inflation, these are things that definitely could impact investors and the financial system more broadly. So if we're going to take anything away from the current energy crisis, even though it's not yet impacting the U.S. as much as other places, I think that takeaway is that as economies transition from fossil fuels to greener alternatives there's going to be some ebb and flow in prices. And that's a pretty significant transition risk.
1: Right. And that ebb and flow can be derived because of ebb and flows in investments. Maybe investing in some sort of project that uses traditional carbon resources won't be as profitable. And so that can put short-term strains on the system if those investments are impacted. But the ebb and flow of energy prices is only one way that climate transition risks makes its way into the real economy. We also have to look at climate policy itself, and in particular, the price-based interventions like taxes for funding infrastructure investment or carbon pricing regulations. These pose a short-term burden to economic activity potentially as consumer spending or firms' profitability may be impacted as they adjust to lower revenues or higher costs.
0: Those are certainly risks for investors. I just want to point out there are also opportunities for investors who are able to leverage them.
1: She's always an opportunist. Every change does represent an opportunity for investors as much as a risk.
0: Thank you. Another risk or opportunity that comes from this potential transition is higher energy prices being passed on to consumers as inflation, which you mentioned, Robert. A one-off increase in prices would normally only have a temporary impact on the inflation rate. But if the transition from carbon-based to more alternative energy-based economy occurs really quickly, and if it causes a shortage of carbon energy. These are all ifs, by the way, but just if if if, then the relative price of carbon intensive goods and you know services, like shipping, as an example, could be higher on a more frequent basis.
1: Yikes. I am personally in the camp that a transition to a more sustainable energy system would be deflationary. But there are some serious risks to price pressures in the near term. On the bright side, if all that investment does take place at an early stage, the energy transition can be achieved cost-effectively with plenty of time for the economy to adapt, and the inflationary impact would hopefully be minimal.
0: The good news is that right now, at least, it looks like we're on track for that outcome, not least because with the current period, to the contrary, for a long time, we've been struggling with strong disinflationary or even deflationary pressures in the economy. So right now, looks like we're on track for Robert's optimistic outcome. <laughs> It's now time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. We've discussed the inflationary potential of the climate transition that may occur. So now we'll discuss what we might expect from those price pressures if they occur and some solutions to mitigate those risks if it's something that you're concerned about.
1: Okay, so we have... Good news and bad news on this one. I feel like we always have good news and bad news. But starting with the bad news, it's not clear how quickly climate transition-related inflation will come. The impact of legislation may be unpredictable if there are unexpected changes in tax rates and political priorities. And anxiety in markets could cause some volatility in commodity prices itself.
0: Yeah. And not to mention that upward inflation impacts may be offset actually by continued falls in the price of renewable energy and increased energy efficiency in which case the transition risks could be mitigated in the economy as a whole
1: mm, a good and a bad certainly for investors we would recommend a holistic approach to addressing climate transition risk in a portfolio looking at every aspect of your portfolio and its inflationary impact that might come with it that incorporates both climate mitigation and adaptation solutions uh, in a portfolio
0: These solutions could be based on using geography to manage their related risks and position for potential opportunities, including rebuilding or retrofitting geographies as is needed in some cases we could also look at specific mitigation and adaptation strategies that may involve investing in climate transition tools and technologies. So here I'm thinking green buildings or public transportation, electric vehicles, water and waste management, that type of thing.
1: Right. So on the one hand, you have mitigating risks related to the physical or transitory risks of climate change. On the other hand, you have the opportunities the investments in some of these sustainable themes that could drive portfolio returns on either side. For many investors, a ready-made climate transition and mitigation strategy may be a particularly effective tool to help defend portfolios against structural long-term inflation caused by climate change and other risks arising.
0: Coming up next... Earnings season is well underway and will continue through the next month.
1: Yes, last week, the big banks kicked off the third quarter and they were better than expected. Very optimistic reporting. And the talk on the street is that it's due to U.S. companies sustaining higher profits and banks also being able to take bad loans that they had priced in during the pandemic off their books.
0: Now, for the rest of earnings season, our baseline expectation is that companies will continue to beat earnings expectations on average. In any given quarter, 70-ish percent of companies tend to beat, so we expect that to continue to be the case, but that results overall might be less robust than the recent record-breaking quarters.
1: Under-promise and over-deliver is what comes to mind. That said, we expect strong numbers going into year-end as we expect economic growth to continue and the fundamentals supporting markets and the economy to remain constructive.
0: Well, we'll end on a positive note then. That's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters.
1: Let us know what matters to you. If
0: you have a question or a topic of interest, reach out to us on social media.
1: That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn.
0: You can also follow our views on our website, which is New YorkLifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab.
1: Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetts.
0: And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC. 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned, subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.